Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Today our guest is Wendy Kopp, founder and CEO of Teach for America, coming up on its 20th year anniversary this February. Welcome to the EdCast, Wendy. Thanks. So Ms. Kopp, take us back to Princeton, New Jersey, the late 80s, Madonna playing in the background, fluorescent pink scrunchie in hair. A young Wendy Kopp gets an idea. Um, well, I was a senior in college at, at Princeton uh, and, and was honestly in a deep funk. Um, I was just searching for something I wasn't finding in terms of something to do after college that would enable me to make a real difference in the world. And yet all the recruiters were these corporations recruiting us to spend two years, you know, working in their firms. Um, And it was that sense and my kind of larger concern about the quality of education in our country and especially in our urban and rural areas that led to this idea. You know, why aren't we being recruited as aggressively to teach for two years in, in urban and rural areas as we were being recruited to work on Wall Street for two years? Um, so that that's what led to the idea. And then what was the process of actually having it go from a thesis to this wonderful organization? You know what? I think this was an idea whose time had come, in all honesty. And, and I... I read a quote you know several years later that said when an idea is meant to happen the laws of the universe are suspended to make way for it and i honestly think that's what happened it so quickly magnetized you know hundreds of of graduating seniors who responded to flyers under their doors saying you know we need to do something our generation needs to do something about the crisis in american education um you know and and at the same time you know we we magnetize support from the philanthropic community and from the education community um who were just stunned at this you know kind of outpouring of idealism from a generation they thought of as the me generation um so so you know we we fielded 500 core members, and I, I always say that that was really the the beginning of the true story of Teach for America. I mean, this has been such an intense learning curve, I, I guess, and, and it probably will never stop. But, um, you know, we're taking on a really deep and complex problem, just the injustice of educational inequity. Um, the fact that where kids are born in our country really determines their educational prospects, despite our aspiration to be a land of opportunity. Um, and, and, and I could say a lot more about that, but um, I feel very lucky that I somehow found my way to this because I can't imagine a more fulfilling pursuit, ultimately. Now, so many ed reformers are TFA alums, you know, founders of the KIPP schools, Michelle Ree, five superintendents, six founders of charter school networks. Does KIPP, does Students First, does Generation Schools, does Idea Schools exist without TFA, without Wendy Kopp? <laughs> um, well, first, I mean, you know, uh, the, 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 the whole idea, as you know, of Teach for America is to marshal the energy of our country's most promising future leaders against this problem that we believe is our country's most fundamental injustice. And I, you know, of course, our theory is that talent and leadership is, it, it's the key to everything anywhere in any in any undertaking, and, and certainly no less so in education. Um, I think if you started talking with the, the Michelle Rees and the Mike Feinbergs and, and all of the folks out there who are pioneering great things in education today, they would probably say, you know, they might not have even taught if it weren't for Teach for America, and I think they would say that their experience teaching Honestly, all of those people you mentioned, or the founders of the organizations you mentioned, 
were what I think of as transformational teachers. I mean, these were teachers who moved their kids forward so dramatically that they literally changed their academic and life trajectories. And once you've done that, you know, you can't leave this. You know, your level of conviction that we can solve the problem, your level of belief that we must, and your understanding of what it takes is just at a completely different level. And so at some level, they probably would say we wouldn't have be doing this if it weren't for Teach for America, but I'd also say that, you know, it, it was through their own individual leadership and initiative that they came to the learnings that led them on this path and really have fueled all of us, including the learning curve of Teach for America. Now, Teach for America has been exported, obviously not called Teach for America in Estonia or England, mm -hmm. uh, but similar principles. How has this model or philosophy been received internationally through Teach for All? Well, you know, Teach for All, which is a, a new global organization that's really a network of independent social enterprises pursuing this model around the world, was really a response to these very passionate uh, social entrepreneurs from very diverse contexts all over the world um, who were finding their way to us and to the first adaptation of Teach for America called Teach First in the UK, um, looking for help. Uh, and, and, you know, ultimately we came to believe that we could develop a network that would accelerate all of its members from Teach for America to Teach for India to, you know, Enseña Peru to, to wherever it may be. So, you know, a mere four years into this, we're already in 18 countries. And I really believe, I mean, ultimately, you know, to quote the, the founder of Enseña Peru, you know, he said, you know, there's a universal truth, which is that it is a powerful thing to, to marshal the energy of any nation's future leaders against its most fundamental challenge. And I think, ultimately, I really believe in five years we'll be in dozens and dozens of countries, and hopefully we'll see unstoppable movements around the world that, through sharing with each other, are becoming all the more unstoppable. Now, how do you divide your time between your two roles for Teach for All and Teach for America? Is that there's only so many hours in a day. I know. Well, we have tremendous people at both Teach for America and Teach for All who are, you know, driving us forward on all fronts. But I spend about half my time in each of them. Now, at its, at its inception, there were many critics of TFA, unions, education schools, and this was a new idea, a new way to train teachers. Now, you've been established, lauded, proven. Do you find yourself having to defend TFA less now? <laughs> um, you know, I'm not sure I do. Uh, and and in, in my new book called A Chance to Make History, um, you know, I tell the story of my then eight-year-old who was doing a school project. He needed to interview someone who had, quote, solved a problem, and he interviewed his mom. And I thought we were at the end of the interview, and he says at the end, he's like, I have one more question, Mom. I don't get it. Like, why would you, if this problem is so big, you know, this problem of, of schools and low-income communities not being as, as good as they need to be, why would you recruit the most inexperienced people to try to do something about it? I was just like, oh, Benjamin! Um, and just, I mean, honestly, that at that point, I realized just how counterintuitive this approaches, you know, and, um, you know, I attempted to explain to my eight-year-old why they're, why, why this is so important. But, you know, the fact is we have a crisis in this country and I, I think there's a tendency to become immune to it, but, you know, we have 15 million kids in our country, 15 million who are living below the poverty line. Half of them will not graduate from high school. The half who do graduate have an eighth grade skill level. We have had this problem for decades and decades. And, 
you know, we need out of the box solutions. And, and I just truly believe that, you know, we, the best chance we have of ultimately solving this problem is to reach the point where not just a few, but many of our future leaders, people working at every level of the education system, at every level of policy and government, and honestly, in positions of influence all over the place, know what you know after you've taught successfully in our low-income communities. I think we will have a completely different country once that happens. So many people today here at Harvard and across the country and the world now look up to you. Who, who is it that you look up to? You know, you've mentioned some of the people I probably most look up to, in all honesty. I think, um, you know, some of the folks from the founders of KIPP, Dave Levin and Mike Feinberg, um, who honestly... Like, you know, just, just to take those two, although I could talk about any number of them, you know, to see the level of commitment and just love they have for their kids and the degree to which they've sustained just an all-out effort to do more and more and more um, to ensure that their kids have the opportunities they deserve. I mean, these are, of course, the people I've, who I view as true heroes who I've had the privilege of getting to know, and, and I probably, I, I think it's just completely humbling to see what they've done. One of my friends mentioned that there should be a headline that says, Kip and Cop, Changing Education. <laughs> education with a K. <laughs> now, you've been interviewed by so many people, obviously, with the 20th anniversary this year coming up. What is a question that we should be asking you that we as journalists and interviews are not asking you? Um, well, I think the real, the, the question we should all be asking is, you know, what is it going to take, you know? And, and first of all, can this truly be done? I mean, the vision that unites everyone who's a part of Teach for America is that, you know, one day all children in our country will have the chance to attain an excellent education. And, you know, I guess the, the very fair question would be, you know, we have not seen the needle move at all against that problem in the last 20 years. Do we really think that this is a feasible vision? And the reason I wrote A Chance to Make History is to try to communicate to the broader public what I've come to believe, which is that we absolutely can do this. I can't get over, I mean, it's true we haven't moved the aggregate needle, and I think there are reasons for that. Um, but the snowball is moving down the hill. And, you know, just to, to say one thing to bring it to life, when I was a senior in college 20 years ago, one of the hit movies was Lean on Me, um, which featured a school in New Jersey, which to this day is number 317 out of 326 in terms of educational outcomes. And the principal was extraordinary and changed the school culture and all. But I just think about how impossible it would be to make a movie of that school today because today we know what we didn't know then which is that you can have schools in the highest poverty communities in the country that are literally putting kids on a level of academic excellence i mean we can truly change the trajectory of our kids in low-income communities through redefining the mandate of schools and approaching our work with the same kind of energy and discipline that we would approach any other ambitious endeavor. And um, I think there's just immense hopefulness in that. And also, I think right in those schools, we see what the true keys to success are. And, and now the challenge is, how do we scale that? How do we connect our policy to what we know works um, based on the learnings of those schools? In 20 years, is your next book called We've Made History? I hope so. I mean, you know, I, I think it's so hard to predict the future, but of course that is, is the idea and everything I'm doing and so many others are doing is, is, is just an effort to reach that end. So I hope so. 
Wendy Cobb, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people get the book, A Chance to Make thank History? Thank you. Um, first of all, check out the website, a chance to make history.org, and really any, anywhere, any book publisher, um, Amazon, etc. Look forward to reading it. Thank you so thank much, you. Wendy Cobb. Thanks. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.